Welcome to the FFI Practitioner Podcast. Today, we're pleased to feature Dr. Robert Randolph. He's Assistant Professor of Family Business at Kennesaw State University. He's also the first author of the upcoming Family Business Review article entitled, When Family Business Meets Social Enterprise, an Integrated Review and Future Research Agenda. Family Business Review was the first scholarly journal to be published in the field of family enterprise and is part of the research branch of FFI. This is Jordan Rich welcoming Robert Randolph. And first off, let's define what social enterprise means in this context. So uh, social enterprise is not as a kind of an umbrella term for an organization that has activated a social mission as a core part of it of its goals. Now, for the most part, that can include, you know, nonprofits or, or higher ed or like what we're mostly interested in is hybrid organizations. Uh, and these are firms that have coexisting uh, missions of financial and social value creation. Social enterprise is a, is a burgeoning research topic in entrepreneurship and in economic development that doesn't necessarily house with family business. But when, we're re when I was first being introduced to this topic and I was learning about these firms that have simultaneous goals for firm performance and social value creation, oftentimes centered around the social values of the owning family, you know, this start, they started to sound a lot like the firms that we do have experience with, which is family business. So mm -hmm. I hope that's enough of a definition. If you were asking a, a social enterprise scholar, they might have a more specific one. Give me an example or two of what a social enterprise platform might sound like. Example of a family-centered social enterprise would be one where the family itself is a main beneficiary of the value being created. So a lot of the work that we do that centers on firms with activated family-centered goals, reputational goals, and community engagement goals, those sort of secondary value streams that benefit the family, those would be sort of a broad family-centered example of social enterprise, but one that one that wouldn't necessarily get to the social side a huge amount because value is concentrated in the family. Where you're going to see more often uh, particularly in, the entre in entrepreneurship research, would be examples of social enterprises who have explicitly modified their uh, organizational practices to include social value creation as part of their, their processes. So one of the, the most informative cases that I read was on a third generation social enterprise in Central America. They were a, a regional area that was economically depressed, and the founding family of this farm went from a uh, from the textile industry, relocalized, so re you know insourced a lot of their previously outsourced goods, uh, engaged with local indigenous populations as part of that value creation, uh, uh, community employment and economic development were part of sort of the the goals of this enterprise, even though that the, the result was an overall smaller firm. And then three generations later, totally different. They're right back to outsourcing uh, on their third generation. They're right back to sort of having a much more professionalized firm. So it's a dynamic sort of identity. And, and really, it, 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 a lot of that definition's on, on us to sort of identify these areas where, where organizations are actively pursuing social value creation, be they at a community level, at a family level, uh, or more macro as sort of a beneficiary of, of these right. goals. What's the methodology now that's in place to help family firms uh, negotiate these decisions and ideas? Some of the best illustrations, the evidence that we have of sort of these changes and how we're thinking about value creation would be the introduction of sort of family interface problems and family interface concerns in uh, consulting and advising and how identifying previous routes of, of family benefits being like, you know, nepotistic hiring of underqualified family members being a stereotype and, 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 and sort of contemporary advisors saying, well, let's actually extract those routes of value creation and put those into a different part of our portfolio, put those into a family office and put these sort of family-centered goals away from our professionalized team. 
And then the other end of the camp, which I will, I'll, I'll call the social enterprise camp only because they're the other and I'm the family business guy. Uh, the other end of that camp is sort of a much bigger push. And I would say it's a bigger push in broader entrepreneurship scholarship and uh, support and activity supporting broader entrepreneurship, which is really questioning the status quo of is an entrepreneurial idea only a good idea if it's good for the entrepreneur and for these, all, these, these investors that are investing in it. And a lot of the training that goes into entrepreneurship today is very much centered on a high scale, high growth approach, because that's what gets the returns to keep the programs going. But what we've ignored, what, what sort of gotten lost in that is the value, the role of entrepreneurship, the, the you know, huge part of this process of entrepreneurship is satisfying individual goals. And so relocalizing entrepreneurship as a way of solving local immediate problems uh, and not just as a means of, of expansive wealth creation has sort of taken on its whole second part of, of this discussion. It's fascinating to watch this because these dynamics, these family dynamics are still core, are still a huge part of, of how these firms navigate to maturity and of how entrepreneurs, social entrepreneurs, family entrepreneurs, what have you, are going to define and direct their resources. But how do we start to uh, alleviate the concerns of those who are looking at the bottom line with those who really want to make a difference? The, the real thing that I would say is, is how do we get folks on board, especially financially, you know, if the only way that you're measuring performance is financial, we can be economically rational all, all, all day. That's that definitely in line with what we're talking about. When we're, when we're emanating from a social setting, like a family, right? The objectives that we're orienting is family-centered objectives. And so however we want to proxy that, socio-emotional wealth or family-centered non-economic goals. The fact that those are driving firm, family firm strategy towards strategies of resilience, towards strategies of you know, a long-term orientation that can facilitate transgenerational succession, that is already saying that as these, these firms are actively accepting a narrower short-term time performance horizon in order to achieve these long-term goals. And so if you're primarily focused on that bottom line, then one of the best ways to sort of do that is to engage in some strategic goal setting to say, what is the short-term performance implications for long-term performance and vice versa? Another way that we might want to do that is to remember that, that family systems uh, and, and to an extension community systems have different motives of economic rationality. So if, you know, if we're taking the purest, strictest transaction cost economics approach to, to you know, mi minimizing costs, including family members in this process is actually a very rational behavior because the, 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 the resource outlay to individuals with whom you're economically tethered, such as members of your family, members mm -hmm. of your household, members of your community, uh, has recursive benefits to these owners. So being able to engage with the stakeholders of our mission directly, being able to actually accomplish our goals of, of, of growth and performance with what they mean and with, with uh, you know, directly, rather than having to say, well, we'll make as much money as we can and we'll donate a large portion of it as benefactors to these particular goals, which is a, which is a way that a lot of the family business research is focused. The role of the advisor is key here, I guess, in flushing out what these issues are and bringing people together. I would definitely agree with that. I would say that reconciling these differences, particularly when we can find you know complementary routes to pursue mul multiple goals that at first glance seem frictional, seem incompatible. But I'd say that's when advisors are doing their most valuable work. Are, is when we're finding areas of compromise and when we're coordinating resources, you know, as you said, synergistically. 
uh, uh, rather than imposing structure on a family system, which in my experience, maybe you have different experiences, in my experience is, is not a recipe for success. How does one know if there really is a cause worth following up with in this family enterprise? That's a fantastic question. When I was conducting this research, the majority of, of what went into this paper was actually reviewing social enterprise and economic development research, specifically through a lens of family business. So this was work that was not actually written for family business audiences. And, and a lot of these family effects were actually emergent in these findings of, of household-centered. And I'd say the answer to that question is going to be found more easily in that economic development work in the sense that re-emphasizing the role of value creation is going to be is, is how one of the ways that we can solve that. The missions that our firms pursue, the strategies and goals that we pursue, if we if we develop our goal systems and articulate them effectively, are likely multidimensional among any individual, among any indiv- among any family. So the presence of social goals, I don't think, is necessarily super uh, suspicious. I think I think that the presence, as you say, of social goals is pretty par- is pretty obvious. It's how can we articulate those in a way that's relevant to our firm, wherein perhaps we can satisfy those goals either by doing well as a firm. These were uh, articles that identified that considered the family as, as a benefactor. So where the family's goal was primarily from the outside looking in, you know, wealth creation and wealth generation. But part of what they did with that wealth was serve as a benefactor to a variety of goals and values through uh, uh, enter, you know, foundations and, mm-hmm. and, and, and other activities. But then more interesting in my mind are those firms that actually were themselves pursued value creation directly from the operation of the firm. And so opportunities where decisions you can make in operating your firm the, the, would actually lead to ways that you can satisfy these social goals directly. Because of the economic development context that a lot of this research has been, and, and arguably because that's my, my background, so I'm biased to interpreting findings like this. Uh, I would say a lot of that came from being able to differentiate social and economic goals as not being non-economic at all, but being ones of mm. economic resilience, being ones of rural economic uh, renewal. There's a huge, there's a huge theme in here where we see rural family firms over the last few decades being their capabilities being hollowed out, and a lot of these firms either failing either or, or selling, no longer being family-owned, and the families moving and, and and moving away from these communities. That community identity, particularly in these rural settings, are oftentimes hinged on these prominent families. And so when those prominent families exit those communities and take that industry with them, that's a big part of how of, of rural economic decline. Identifying cases where the response was not, well, let's focus on what the family needs, but it was taken from, entirely from the lens of let's focus on what this community needs. We found research that sort of stumbled into family business theory. We found research that found these prominent families, large landowning families, giving away parts of that land, parts of that portfolio for the revitalization of that community to retain that their mm. position. They actively mm. wanted to retain their status as a prominent family of this community. Right. And so they incurred that social goal by, you know, oftentimes engaging more directly through private-private partnerships. What are the major takeaways from the research that uh, FFI members and those who listen who are family advisors can utilize? The role of an advisor and the role of family business leaders would be, can we identify where family, where value is being created? Can we not differentiate these goals, but can we differentiate when our resources are being used to increase firm value, 
when they're being in, used for uh, family-centered value outcomes or when they're being used for community-level outcomes. You can't open an FBR paper without seeing community engagement being discussed, but oftentimes it's measured as sort of an after-the-fact belief. Whereas if we move away from that goal, move away, you know, one of the best, some of the best advice I ever got for strategic auditing is if you want to know what a, a, what a company believes in, don't look at their mission statement, look at their cash flow statement. And I'm sort of relearning that again rather than focusing on the, I, the community and the family goals that we talk about, how, are we, how can we isolate these outcomes more so than inputs? Uh, to me, that would probably be the most, the most sort of relevant practical finding. The family unit has, is, is so commonplace that family business is not the only research that studies the role of family in business. And that, more than anything, has opened up my eyes to a handful of, of fields and disciplines that are using different language, but that are considering the same phenomena, that are considering you know, the power that comes when families enter into commerce together and the resilience of these structures. And we're seeing that replicated in impoverished settings. We're seeing that replicated in highly normalized, high growth settings. We're seeing these outcomes be sort of broadly applied regardless of context. And that, that to me, signals that, that we're, we're maybe only just scratching the surface, that perhaps the family system and the, 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 the family firm interface is maybe just not even as relevant as the family community interface, because at least in these social enterprise settings, that community lens is how family identity was defined and how we actually understand the evolving role of families may be less about their wealth orientations or less about individual changes. And moreover, those transgenerational changes in community identity and scope of, you know, the broad scope of your family's community. Our thanks to Robert Randolph for this conversation about the relationship between family enterprise and social enterprise. FFI's mission is to be the global network of thought leaders in the field of family enterprise. If you'd like to learn more about the Family Business Review, FFI membership, and the October conference at MIT, we invite you to visit www.ffi.org. For more FFI practitioner podcasts and articles, or to submit one of your own, go to ffipractitioner.org. This is Jordan Rich. Thanks for listening.